our staff is ready when you are. Thank you. This meeting is now called to order. Will the clerk please call the roll to establish a quorum? Thank you, Chair. Commissioner Chan? Here. Commissioner Chris Peen? Here. Commissioner Kramer? Here. Commissioner Lim? Here. Commissioner Mercer? Present. Commissioner Smith? Here. Commissioner Tucson Boyd? Here. Vice Chair Crowley? Chair McMillan? Yeah. Thank you. We have a quorum. I would like to remind members on the public, of the public in chambers that if you'd like to speak on an agenda item, please turn in a speaker slip when the item begins. You will have two minutes to speak once you are called on. After the first speaker, we will no longer accept speaker slips. We will now proceed with today's agenda. If you're able to, please rise for the opening acknowledgement in honor of Sacramento's indigenous people and tribal lands. To the people of this land, the Nisinan people, the Southern Maidu, the Valley and Plains Miwok, the Patwin Wintun peoples, and the people of the Walton Rancheria, Sacramento's only federally recognized tribe. May we acknowledge and honor the native people who came before us and still walk beside us today on these ancestral lands by choosing to gather together today in the active practice of acknowledgement and appreciation for Sacramento's indigenous people's history, contributions, and lives. Thanks. And please remain standing to join me in the Pledge of Allegiance. Pledge of Allegiance to the flag of the United States of America Our first business today is the approval of the consent calendar. Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on the consent calendar? Thank you, Chair. I have no speaker slips on this item. Are there any members of the commission, any of the commissioners who wish to speak on this item? Consent calendar is the follow-up log and the minutes of the last meeting. There's nobody uh, needing to speak on it. Can I get a uh, motion? I move to approve the consent calendar, Commissioner Tuzon Boyd. Can I get a second? Second that motion, Commissioner Mercer. Can we please get a vote? Thank you, Chair. Uh, can you please unmute for a roll call vote? Commissioner Chan? Aye. Commissioner Crispin, Crispin? Aye. Commissioner Kramer? Aye. Commissioner Lim? Aye. Commissioner Mercer? Aye. Commissioner Smith? Aye. 
Commissioner Tucson Boyd? Aye. Vice Chair Crowley? Aye. Chair McMillan? Aye. Thank you, the motion passes. Thank you. We're moving on in the agenda to the uh, discussion calendar. And the first thing up is the uh, selection of chair and vice chair for calendar year 2024. Um, I'll turn that over to the city clerk to conduct this. Uh, good evening. My name is Julia Rothrock from the office of the city clerk. We do not have a staff presentation on this item. All information is detailed in the staff report. However, I will remind members of a few things. Uh, members may nominate another member or themselves for chair or vice chair. Typically, nominations will be heard for the chair position and will be followed by nominations for the vice chair. A member may serve as the chairperson or vice chairperson for no more than two calendar years. The newly elected chairperson and vice chairperson will start their term at the next regular meeting. Now, of the current roster, uh, Commissioner Tucson Boyd uh, is not eligible to serve as chair or vice chair as they have served two calendar years in these positions. All other current commissioners are eligible. So are we gonna look for motions for these positions? Correct, we can, we can take nominations for chair. I'd like some information. Okay, uh, Commissioner Mercer, I'm kind of curious about that because when I look at this board, it's fairly new. I haven't been here a year. Many of my fellow commissioners joined at the same time I did. So I'm concerned um, by going over and eliminating people. I understand the idea of going over and term limiting, but there's a lot of um, institutional knowledge that's involved in being here. And I'm curious, where did that come from? Where did that role come from? Um, I would defer to our city attorney. I'm checking the rules from the uh, of the DAC commission I don't recall reading it earlier so if you give me a second I'll take a I'll, if the answer is there I'll let you know in just a second Chapter 253.070, titled Organization and Procedures of the Commission. I can read it into the record if you like, um, but it does not address, let me read it. 
At its first meeting and annually thereafter, the commission shall elect a commission chairperson and a vice chairperson who, who each shall hold office at the pleasure of the commission. When there is a vacancy in the office of chairperson or vice chairperson, the commission shall fill that office from among its members. The commission may adopt rules and procedures for the conduct of its business and may do any other things necessary or proper to carry out its functions, which may include the formation of one or more committees. The rest is, is irrelevant. Um, this section, um, Madam Clerk, do you have an origin or citation or authority for the statement that members Commissioners cannot serve more than two years as chair or vice chair, two terms as chair or vice chair. Just there are term limits articulated within the city code, but I'm just wondering specifically as to the positions of chair. We're looking at the uh, council rules and procedures right now ah, okay. to see if it might be there. Okay, thank you. I guess what I was more concerned about is what's the thinking behind it because it seems, and in this particular case, it's handicapped. It could end up limiting some of our choices and I'm kind of troubled by that because, and we've also had a number of rules and changes in the time we're meeting and, and things like that over in like the last three to six months that are bewildering to me. I understand, um, Madam Commissioner, and I think the answer lies in the origin for the rule. If it is articulated within the city code or council rules of procedure, it's likely not something that can be modified by this body. If the body has the authority to create its own rules, then it may be something that can be modified by, by this body. Thank you, that would help because then that would be something to address, I assume, over to the PP, P, PP and E committee um, if it's something that's a council origin. Okay, thanks. Commissioner Crowley. I wanted to simply state that I am happy to self-nominate or be nominated to continue as vice chair. Uh, I unfortunately, uh, at this time and I'm unable to consider any other position. And I wanted to share that I'm very grateful for the different messages and understanding of all the commissioners during this past two, um, during this holiday time. And I'll have more to say about that in com uh, commissioner comments. Commissioner Tuzon Boyd. I make a motion to nominate Commissioner, actually Chair McMillan and Vice Chair Crowley to serve as um, continue in their positions for 2024. Any other nominations? I second that. We have a second to that nomination. I'll second that nomination, Commissioner Mercer. Uh, on record, I have the motion being made by Commissioner Tucson Boyd. 
uh, and the second by Commissioner um, Commissioner Chan. Correct. Yes. And that was for the um, for Chair McMillan to continue and Vice Chair Crowley to continue. Do we have any other nominations? Commissioner Tuzon Boyd. So I don't have any other nominations, but since I am not hearing any other nominations, I do want to explain my um, rationale for nominating our chair and vice chair to continue. They are among um, the uh, more experienced commissioners on the dais, as pointed out by uh, Commissioner Mercer. We do have a lot of newer folks here, and um, I think they've done a great job in 2023, moving us along through a variety of changes, including multiple staffing changes um, and start times and losing accessibility to those um, who were joining us by Zoom. So I appreciate um, the work that they've done and I would like to see them continue to lead us. Commissioner Mercer. So, and that brings up my concern about this, I'm very happy with the leadership we have, but if I'm understanding this correctly, they'll be termed out. So we have to start thinking about next year. And uh, Mo, you've done, I mean, uh, Commissioner Crowley, sorry, you've done a marvelous job um, and uh, vice chair, as vice chair, and um, the chair's done a fine job. I'm concerned about where we're going to be next year. Madam Clerk, is there currently an issue with the limitations if Chair McMillan and Vice Chair Crowley are reelected for the next year? Let me see. Uh, if they are elected for this calendar year, uh, that will be the second term for Chair McMillan um, and Vice Chair Crowley, they could um, then be elected for the opposite position. Okay, so the so they're clear. Current nominations. They currently have one. Um, hold on. To that point. Um, it is a two-year limit that we understand. It's in the it's in the uh, rules of the commission, and I have served two years as vice chair, so I cannot do vice chair again. Um, if this vote goes through, this would be a second term for me as chair, and that would be this would be it for me. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Crowley. Yeah, and to to that point, so all the commissioners know. This has been the first officer position that I've held, so this term would be the second. And um, we'll see where next year goes, but I would be eligible, should I still have a seat in the DAC, in, to be nominated, if it's so the, the desire, for only the chair position, because I have not served in that role. And I'd be open to it, 
but well, my point is, is that speaking exactly to Chair McMillan's point, you all should know that this is the only officer position I've held. This would be the term limit for vice chair, and then I would be up for grabs. Uh, I would be interested to be up for grabs for that if that's so the direction everyone wanted it to go. So it sounds like we have one motion, one second. I've got nobody else wanting to speak at this point. Okay. Uh, if there are no further comments, um, I will just add that uh, an answer to where it is listed uh, regarding the limit, it is in the Sacramento City Code section 2.40. Um, uh, just for our records, uh, Chair McMillan, what was the, do you know the two years you served as vice chair? Yeah, uh, 2023, so I would have been 20, 22 and 21, I, I would think. Uh, the two years that um, Commissioner Tuzon Boyd was chair. Up until this, yeah, so. Okay, yeah. Uh, I see that the staff report lists Will Kennedy as vice chair for 2021. Um, so I will look into correcting that. That was two years, right? Okay, um, will everyone unmute for a roll call vote? And this will be voting for Chair McMillan uh, to be elected for the 2024 calendar year. Commissioner Chan? Aye. Uh, Commissioner Crispine? Aye. Commissioner Kramer? Aye. Commissioner Lim? Aye. Commissioner Mercer? Aye. Commissioner Smith? Aye. Commissioner Tucson Boyd? Aye. Commissioner, or Vice Chair Crowley? Aye. Chair McMillan? Aye. Thank you, the motion passes. And now for the election of Vice Chair Crowley for the 2024 calendar year. Roll call vote. Commissioner Chan? Aye. Commissioner Chris Peen? Aye. Commissioner Kramer? Aye. Commissioner Lim? Aye. Commissioner Mercer? Aye. Commissioner Smith? Aye. Commissioner Tucson Boyd? Aye. Vice Chair Crowley? Aye. Commissioner Chair McMillan? Aye. Thank you. The motion's passed. Thank you. Thanks, everybody, for getting us through that, setting it up for the next year. Uh, the next item on the discussion calendar is, is a, is a Multi-use trails review. Do we have a staff presentation? Yes. Yes, we do. Good evening. Uh, I'd like to thanks to thank the commission for having me today. Uh, my name is Adam Randolph. I am a senior engineer with the Engineering Services Division in our Public Works Department. I am project manager for a couple of the trails that, we've, or that we are in the process of building and have been involved in most of the trails for the last couple of years. 
So I wanted to take the opportunity to update the commission on what we've been up to. Um, starting off, class one trails, um, just making sure that we're clear on what terminology is. A class one trail is an off-street off trail. It is a multi-use path. It's eligible to be used by pedestrian, cyclists, people with scooters, basically any alternative mode other than a gas-powered vehicle. Um, we are, our trails are, are going into the definition what exactly they are. Generally, our trails are a paved trail. They're, by definition, they're allowed to be from eight to 12 feet wide. Most of our trails are at least 10, 10 feet wide. They also have some type of um, graded shoulder on them, usually a decomposed granite or an aggregate base that's uh, well compacted and a smooth grade. So it is considered traversable as well. Um, and the importance to the city for these trails, um, first and foremost, they are an off-street trail. So they tend to be a lower stress way or means of transport for people wanting to walk, wanting to run, wanting to cycle, wanting to use scooters. Um, they are away from higher speed traffic and they are also, you'll see in the, or with these trails, uh, specifically designed to connect or key areas in the city, try to create a low stress network throughout the city so that we can more easily uh, reach our destinations without having to use the roadways if we don't want to. Um, in general, uh, just focusing on accessibility aspects for our trails. Um, all the trails I'm presenting on today were designed with accessibility in mind, meaning that we specifically graded them so we did not exceed allowable slopes, uh, meaning running slopes are all less than 5%, cross slopes are all less than 2%. Uh, we also looked at anywhere where we are having to cross roadways um, where possible. We like to improve those crossings, whether it's some type of crossing treatment, shorter crossing distances. And I'll go into details on that for specific projects that I'm presenting. So tonight we are looking at four trails that we've um, either completed or will be completing this year. Uh, the first one is our Ninos Parkway project, which is in North Sacramento in the North Cape Gardenlands area. Uh, second trail is our Two Rivers Parkway, uh, which is actually Two Rivers Phase 2, um, which is in East Sacramento near Sac State, kind of bridging between Sac State and Sutter's Landing Park. Third trail is our South Sacramento Parkway, which is it looks like the smallest one on here, but I think this is one of our biggest trails in connectivity. And the last one's kind of the crown jewel trail that we've all been proud of, which is our Del Rio Trail, uh, which is a five mile long connection going from the southern city limits essentially up to the Sacramento River and from there connecting into the downtown area. So starting off, our Ninos Parkway Trail uh, Ninos Parkway is an existing trail network that we have in the city. It kind of parallels uh, Northgate Boulevard. You can see this is actually the last stretch of unpaved trail in that parkway on the north end. Uh, currently, the trail starts a little bit south of West El Camino Road. Um, is about a mile and a half long going up to San Juan Road. 
what our, or what our project is going to do is cross San Juan Road, and that's a big step in and of itself. We are going to be putting a pedestrian signal in there, um, fully accessible, um, to get across San Juan Road. Uh, in addition, we'll be having pedestrian island or a pedestrian island at that intersection, so shortening crossing distances, and also creating an impediment in the middle of the road to help slow traffic down. Um, on that note, we are also actually installing radar speed limit signs on approaches to that trail crossing to further uh, discourage speeding through that area. Um, we'll be building a new road or new road, a new bridge with this trail, which crosses. Got a lot of names. I've heard it called the San Juan Ditch, Drainage B Ditch B, and I don't know how many others. But that'll cross us into the um, Fong Ranch neighborhood, which is kind of the ultimate destination for this northern limit on the trail. Um, this project is finalizing its permitting right now. Designs have been completed on it. It is fully funded for construction. So we're hoping to get out to construction this summer and it should be completed this year. Um, our Two Rivers Trail project, which is missing, oop, I over animated my slideshow. Um, our Two Rivers Trail project is a project that has been making slow but steady progress for over a decade now. Um, this project is part of our, um, Sacramento and American River Bikeways plan to create a continuous rail or riverfront trail network within the city. Um, currently, there's an existing trail that extends from H Street Bridge to the eastern city limits at Watt Avenue. Um, there's also the first phase of Two Rivers Trail that was completed from Tiscornia Park at the confluence of the Sacramento and American Rivers up to State Route 160. Uh, this project, which just started construction, is going to fill a large part of that gap. It's going to extend from H Street Bridge east to the Union Pacific Railroad, so effectively connecting the trail, um, bringing uh, Sac State, bringing the Glen Hall, or Sac State, Glen Hall Park, uh, the Glenbrook neighborhood, College Greens neighborhood, um, River Park neighborhood, all connecting into Sutter's Landing Park, and from there into Midtown, into Alkali Flats. Uh, this project's about two and a half miles long. It is going to have fully accessible entrances into the levee from Glen Hall Park. Um, once again, all aspects on these trails are designed to meet accessibility requirements, so we're even though we're climbing a 20 to 20 foot tall levee, we're ensuring that we're maintaining traversable longitudinal slopes. We're going at it up at a slow enough slope that people should be able to access that river trail from the parks. Uh, South Sacramento Parkway is a trail that we just recently completed. It completed towards the end of our construction season last year. Um, I love this trail because it takes away the impediment of Interstate 5. This trail connects from the Meadowview neighborhood into the Delta Shores North, or the Delta Shores North Trail along the south side of the Meadowview neighborhood and connects, in, connects to Freeport Boulevard. 
And from there, um, that connection at Freeport Boulevard is just a trail hub. Um, the, or along with this trail, our trail to Bill Conlin Sports Complex connects in there. Uh, our Sacramento River Parkway going around the south side of the pocket connects in there. And the next trail that I'm highlighting, Del Rio Trail, is also connecting in there. And then, as I mentioned, Del Rio Trail, or really Del Rio Parkway, the trail is a small part of the overall parkway, um, is kind of a crown jewel. It's very rare that we can put together a five-mile trail in one shot. And this trail is, the most notable part of it is how much connection it provides. It goes all the way from the southern city limits, and that's the water tower along I-5, if anybody's wondering, and connects all the way north across Interstate 5 and into the river trail that leads into Old Sacramento, can take you into downtown Sacramento. Uh, it's connecting to Land Park, Zeeberg Park, Bill Conlin Park, or sorry, Bill Conlin Sports Complex, Charlie Jensen Park, uh, the Zeeberg neighborhood, Southland Park neighborhood, Meadowview neighborhood, Greenhaven neighborhood, Pocket neighborhood, Freeport Manor, Delta Shores. Um, it's hitting everything. Uh, along with a very nice trail amenity, and again, we have a big wide open trail here. It's 12 feet wide, almost through the entire length. We're planting over 800 trees around it to ensure that upon maturity, the entire trail will be well shaded. Uh, we've also made sure to look at how access and safety along this trail works. Um, that include, includes improvements at seven different intersections along the trail, um, a couple of which we actually caught with um, other projects we've presented on, uh, improving the crossings at Florin Road, and, or the existing crossings at Florin Road and Pocket Road, which we accomplished with the Highway Safety Improvement Project. Um, this trail itself also created um, shorter crossings at 43rd Street, at 35th Street, it's putting in a flashing beacon crosswalk at Southland Park, a stop-controlled crossing at Del Rio Road, and brand new, um, brand new pedestrian signals at Fruit Ridge Road and Sutterville Road. Um, along with all of that, in order to accomplish everything, like I said, the other big piece of it is it's got two new bridges going into it. We're crossing over a fairly significant drainage canal um, near Freeport Boulevard, Charlie Jensen Park. And for, first and foremost, you can see in the bottom right picture, we're crossing over Interstate 5. So just amazing uh, our capabilities with this trail, encouraging alternate modes of transportation, creating the easiest, lowest stress network we can, or we can feasibly do. Um, those are our trails from the last two years. Uh, we are actually in the works and always will be in the works on additional ones. So I just wanna highlight that these are the trails that have been constructed. We will, or we will be bringing additional trails and a bit earlier in our process to the commission in the future. Um, currently, just off the top of my head, I know we're working on the Jackrabbit Trail in North Natomas. We're working on Two Rivers Trail Phase 3, which is the 
final connection to get from Sutter's Landing Park across State Route 160 to that Phase 1 project, we're working on the Sacramento River Parkway. Um, all of those are in our are at planning level right now, and I believe our intention for all of those is to bring those to the commission so you can have more opportunity to provide comment on those as well while we're still early in the process and able to consider all options. Uh, with that, I'm happy to answer any questions. Thank you, Chair. I have no speaker slips on this item. Um, I'm curious over on the Los Ninos, where the, what's the nature of the signal that's going to be uh, put in? So Ninos Parkway is going to have a pedestrian signal, so it'll be a full green, yellow, red signal, um, just pedestrian actuated. Um, I was just looking at those plans recently. It does have uh, full APS on that signal, so we have, or it's a audible crossing there as well. Tucson Boyd. Thank you. Um, there was a public comment, e-comment, and it's my understanding that that should be read into the record, and I was curious how that gets done for this item on the agenda. Comments submitted online, e-comments, the agenda says that they will be read into the record during the meeting. Who does that? I don't know the answer to that. Um, they're not available anymore online, so I can't access it to read it. You can see that there's a comment, but you can't read the comment. I could see it earlier, but it's been taken down. It gets taken down when the meeting starts so that nobody can oh. submit additional ones. But the description says that, you know, you can submit e-comment and they'll be read during the meeting out loud. So that's one. Second, thank you for your presentation. <laughs> um, I know that we have heard about the um, Del Rio Trail and Nino's Parkway work um, since I've been on um, the commission. I wasn't unfamiliar with the South Sacramento uh, Trail and tw um, Twin Rivers, so that's exciting to see um, improved access in um, more of our neighborhoods. I did have a question about the Nino's Parkway crossing as well. Um, the city council member who represents that area, council member Talamantes, this last week was quoted in the Sacramento Bee seeking a roundabout, I believe, in connection with that project. And so I wanted to find out if that is a possibility at this stage of design and um, work um, because I didn't hear it mentioned as part of the description of this project. Uh, so I have not heard anything about a roundabout in, re er, in relation to that project. I can tell you that the nature of the location of that wouldn't be conducive to a roundabout. Um, roundabouts are er, would be used at a four-way intersection, usually in place of a stop sign or a traffic signal. Uh, this or crossing here is a mid-block crossing, so a roundabout wouldn't be able to be used in this situation. Yeah, I'm familiar with it. So it and it, it's a parallel to the the um, canal as well, right? Correct. On the to the north. That's the north, right? Uh, okay. So I just well, it's weird. The canal's to the east at the crossing. It goes and then bends across it on the north side as well. Right. Okay. 
So not likely to be incorporated in that pedestrian crossing? It would not be likely, no. Okay. Um, all right. That's my only question. Thank you. Commissioner Chris Bing. Thank you, Chair. Um, thank you, Mr. Randolph, for your presentation. I'm actually here to reinforce and give kudos to what I'm seeing. We've been talking about this for months and months, and often we see walking and biking and walking and biking in all of city documentation. So just really want to acknowledge and appreciate the difference that I'm seeing here, and I know that all of the staff has been working really hard on this. So I see active transportation, I see um, fully accessible, and I even see and heard some metrics that you gave, so thank you. You also said early in the process you want to come to us. That's also something that the commission has been asking for. We want to see projects early so that we can be an advisory commission, which is our role. And we also want to invite you back. So we, we also ask for follow-up often to see how things came to fruition. And also I am from District 8, and our area has multi-lane and very fast traffic. And so this is really exciting to see some of these corridors um, offering options for um, moving about outside of a vehicle. So in particular, Meadowview and Freeport are pretty dangerous, pretty treacherous, and then you have Interstate 5. So thank you. Appreciate your presentation. Commissioner Kramer. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner. And um, thank you, Mr. Randolph, for your presentation. Um, I just had some concerns with the Del Rio Trail and the South Sacramento uh, parkway, as, um, from experience, at least with Del Rio one, I know that some areas around there can be like r really dark. So I was wondering if your if your project has any plans to to um, enlighten those those areas for safety. So unfortunately, there is no program to provide light or lighting on Class One trails in general. Uh, however, what we do ensure is that any at any roadway crossing. Um, it meets a the it meets requirements for visibility there. We we ensure that we have full street lights at every crossing. Um, the Del Rio Trail, I will say, the bridge over I five also has additional lighting requirements imposed on it by Caltrans, so it will be fully lit, which is good because it's you know the nature of a bridge or in a very enclosed area. Um, however, the majority of the trail will not have additional lighting. Thank you. Vice Chair Crowley. Thank you. Yeah, I agree with all the comments so far. Could you speak to a little bit during the construction phase for the neighborhoods that are watching all of the um, construction happen and getting excited about it? A lot of time there's um, adjacent to the parks, there'll be like yellow tape, cautionary tape, and it's flying in the wind or uh, concerns about um, a truck might be somewhere and that may give the impression of using it, but really it's not safe to use yet because it's still in process of being developed. Or what's the... You're describing, you yeah. you're describing a constant challenge for us. Right. Can you describe a little bit of what the hope is so that this is a forum where uh, we can always reference it to the safety aspect for those who want to use it, eager to use it, waiting to use it, but also see the cones and the tape and uh, not really sure how uh, we can decrease the concerns to like 311 and just promote some education on 
the neighborhoods taking ownership of their portion of it. Right. So um, I will say that the two smaller projects on here, Ninos Parkway and um, South Sacramento Parkway, those ones weren't that much of a challenge in construction because they were easy to fully fence off area, or they were areas easy to fully fence off. You can control access into them a lot easier. Um, for a project, Del Rio Rail, Del Rio Trail here is a prime example. It's impossible to keep people out. Uh, as soon as we started, well, people were using that as a trail before we started. People were using that as a trail as we were building. People will continue to use it as a trail, hopefully a lot more when we're done. Um, we put up signage. Uh, well, Del Rio is kind of the prime example I can name. We put up signage along the trail at all of the access points um, to our big sign saying trail is under construction. Please be mindful of construction activities. Please don't use this portion of the trail during construction. Uh, it's of limited use, but I think it does help decrease. It pushes people to the side of the tracks where there's not construction a lot of the time. Um, we have our contractors constantly monitoring the traffic control they do put out. So you talk about the cones, the orange tape or yellow tape. Um, we put that up. Having that up should be an indicator that we sh or that you should not use these areas. Unfortunately, the nature of it is unless we have something big and set in stone, it tends to get moved. So uh, what we do is just ask our contractors to constantly monitor it, monitor it repair the tape if it gets pulled down, re or replace the cones, make sure that they're maintaining, or that they restore it to a safe condition anytime they inspect it. Uh, we also send out monthly newsletters, letting people know what the progress is, what the construction activities that they're seeing are, what's left, what or what's left to build, what's anticipated to come up, when we expect to complete. So we try to keep that line of communication open, telling people what the status is on construction and when they can expect to be able to use the facility. Um, besides that, Really, we just make sure our contractors are aware of the situation out there and making sure that they're keeping an eye around them so that they're operating safely since we can't always count on the public to stay out of their area. Thank you. Clerk's office, Ms. Rothrock. Thank you, Chair. Uh, I just wanted to respond to the question about e-comments. Uh, if you look on the first page of the agenda, under submit, a, submit written comments online. Uh, written comments received are distributed to members and filed in the record. Uh, they will not be read aloud. Members of the public are encouraged to submit public comments electronically via e-comments, um, and they will be available on the city's record site tomorrow. Uh, the record site is records.cityofsacramento.org. So yes, they are not read aloud during the meeting. Thank you. And how will those be distributed to us? Those are emailed in a report. To the e-comment report to the staff. To the DAC members? Okay, because that hasn't happened in, for a while, so thank you. Thank you for that clarification. Thank you, Mr. Randolph, for your presentation. Uh, like Commissioner Crespin, I am a resident of District 8, and I certainly look forward to using these trails. So thank you very much for being here this evening and sharing your presentation.
Rizi. Um, next up are the Tim Haley Award nominations. Um, three of us, I know at least three of us remember Tim Haley. Tim Haley was a commissioner, a fierce advocate for people with disabilities and served on this commission um, for, before I got here and w when I joined, he was still here. Uh, Tim passed away and um, in recognition of Tim and, and his contributions, uh, Former Commissioner Will Kennedy started this program up of, of uh, the, called the Tim Haley Award, named after him for members of our uh, residents of our city who go over, above and beyond in the uh, advocacy of people with disabilities. So, um, what I think I'll do tonight is I'll ask the commissioner, but each commissioner who has a nomination to speak about their nominee. And once we're done with all the discussions, we'll um, vote on each nominated person at the end, if, if that makes sense. Um, if, and hopefully we'll have enough nominations. So um, open for nominations at this time. Commissioner, who's on board, you were up first. <laughs> Thank you, um, thank you, Chair McMillan, for remembering our former commissioner, Tim Haley. Um, likewise, Tim was on the commission um, with, my, with myself, and uh, he did pass away at the beginning of the pandemic, and we found that out um, rather accidentally. Um, and so um, these awards were in process, but it was a natural fit to uh, name them after him as um, we move forward. So this will be our third time awarding Tim Haley Awards. Um, and one of the things that we discussed, I believe uh, one of the commissioners, newer commissioners brought up the suggestion of accepting feedback from the community as part of the nomination process. And um, I took that to heart and was um, at an event and spoke to um, a previous recipient and uh, got the idea for tonight's nomination. And in fact, they took the time to submit a nomination in written format to me, but I will add to this commentary that I'm going to read to you now. Um, I am writing to nominate Ms. Benita Shaw for the prestigious Tim Haley Award by the Sacramento Disabilities Advisory Commission in recognition of her outstanding contributions and unwavering commitment to empowering families with children with disabilities through her extraordinary work as the founder of the Gifts Foundation. Ms. Shaw's incredible journey as a single mother of two boys, one of whom is on the autism spectrum, led her to establish the Gifts Foundation in 2016. As a 501c3 nonprofit organization, the foundation has been instrumental in connecting parents and caregivers with invaluable information, resources, and unwavering support necessary to navigate the challenges of caring for individuals with disabilities over their lifetimes. The Gifts Foundation, under Ms. Shaw's visionary leadership, embodies a set of core values which reflect the essence of compassion, empowerment, and advocacy. Their mission underscores the belief that every individual with a disability is a gift deserving of a fulfilling life and every parent or caregiver should be equipped with the knowledge and resources to advocate effectively for their loved ones. 
The foundation's commitment to educate, connect, and empower families resonates profoundly within the community it serves. Through educational programs, the GIFTS Foundation empowers parents by providing them with comprehensive information about available community services and resources, enabling them to make informed decisions for their children. Additionally, the foundation's efforts in connecting parents facing similar challenges foster a supportive network where shared experiences become a source of strength and celebration of personal triumphs. One remarkable testament to Ms. Shaw's dedication is the establishment of a center tailored for her adult autistic son, which has not only provided a nurturing environment for his growth, but has also become a cherished space for numerous other children and families in the Sacramento region. The center stands as a beacon of acceptance and support, offering a sense of belonging to families who often navigate complex service systems. Michelle's tireless advocacy and remarkable accomplishments have significantly impacted the lives of countless families, offering them hope, guidance, and a sense of community. Her commitment to family advocacy through the Gifts Foundation embodies the true spirit of the Tim Haley Award. And as a former recipient, I, the submitter of this letter, recognize the qualities that this award seeks to honor, and I firmly believe that Ms. Benita Shaw's exemplary dedication and relentless efforts make her an ideal candidate for this recognition. Her work epitomizes the values upheld by the Tim Haley Award, and her contributions have undoubtedly left an indelible mark on the lives of families in need. Signed by Elizabeth Holiday Morgan, um, who was a recipient of our award last year. Um, I want to add to this message, I know that several of us on the dais can truly take to heart the words of Dr. Morgan in regards to being a caregiver or parent, navigating complex systems, supporting a loved one as they try to um, live in this world that is not designed for them. Um, this commission advocates strongly for diversity, equity, and inclusion, and inclusion in a way that takes to heart those who have disabilities. I have also had the um, pleasure of serving on the State Council for Development of Disabilities Regional Advisory Committee with Ms. Shaw. She works at the Mind Institute, which also supports families navigating um, complex systems and research to help make lives better and is a participant of Sankofa, which supports families um, of black children who have disabilities. So I um, therefore would like to put forth a nomination for Ms. Shaw for the Tim Haley Award. Um, could you give me this full spelling first and last name here? I can. Benita, B-E-N-I-T-A, Shaw, S-H-A-W. Thank you. Um, Commissioner Chris Bean. Chair, I would like to nominate Martha Ruiz. I'm going to read to you the nomination that I drafted. Martha Ruiz embodies the quiet heroes in our community who practice the daily art of inclusion without the formal recognition. Martha has impacted countless young lives and families, implementing the Montessori core value of following the child. For 33 years, Martha has been teaching and leading a private primary school in Sacramento, serving infants through age six. One child Martha taught who has Down syndrome is now in their late 20s. 
Martha came to Sacramento as an undergrad to earn her bachelor's degree from the California State University, Sacramento, and she has lived here ever since. She's an experienced and decorated teacher, part of the International and American Montessori Society. Martha describes her approach to all children, including those with disabilities, as meeting children where they are. She assesses what is needed for each child and then, well, teaches. Martha spends her days experimenting with a variety of tools and methods, each day building on from the last. She has never shied away from teaching a child with disabilities, masterfully making the hard work of teaching look easy. To Miss Martha, teaching includes being the adult, she says, who creates an environment for children to learn. Each child is so unique, Martha says, we change, not them. In Martha's experience, teachers can become frustrated or overwhelmed if the focus is to try to change a student. Martha feels that the large reward from teaching is being able to play a part in a child's growth and development. There's no magic, she says. It's an environment that promotes kindness and understanding, then everyone thrives. It gives Martha great joy to witness how readily children in her classrooms accept one another, and therefore, she says, the parents follow. One of Martha's inclusion strategies is not acquiescing to requests for explanations about children in her classroom. It's no one else's business, she says. I am nominating Martha for the Tim Haley Award because she's doing development and inclusion work every single day. Martha does not teach to mandates or problems or gaps. She teaches to the potential in the human individual. People with disabilities often find themselves having to earn a place in their community who's obsessively focused on gaps and challenges. Martha is the antidote to these structural biases, naturally seeing capacity and playing to strengths. For Martha, her typical classroom includes everyone. After Martha gives a child an opportunity and they naturally thrive in her classroom, then that success is the basis of so many future successes. Thriving in Martha's classroom is something that can never be taken from a child. The reverse is true, however. Success in Martha's classroom can be used as evidence of a child's capacity to learn and thrive. Martha is among the deepest roots in grassroots work from which so many people are thriving because of her dedication to show up for all children every single day. We honor Martha today for her work to which she will simply and humbly return to tomorrow and for many days to come. Thank you. Thank you. Um, the plan is to um, decide on the awardees tonight. Um, the presentation is scheduled to be at the March meeting. Um, the nominees, uh, it's done in person right here and hopefully that gives us enough, enough time to arrange for those people to be here and get this on the agenda. So I wanted to be sure that um, no other commissioners had had a desire to get a nomination in that they did not get in on time. Um, Commissioner Crowley, Vice Chair Crowley. Thank you. Yes. I didn't have a chance to submit. So I would like to uh, present a name of a resident, a longtime resident of Sacramento, Marianne Gonzalez Sims. She is uh, 
active. She has been a past active in the city as a, as a citizen and as a community support for not only her neighborhood, but also um, participating whenever there is a citizen call to action for different, uh, when the city asks for something such as uh, age-friendly uh, community uh, discussion and, and uh, neighborhood support. She's a past uh, ambassador. But most importantly, she has a business, uh, Art with Marianne. And uh, as she turns now from her professional life to focusing on her small business, not only is she um, accessible to the community, but specifically when it comes to the use of art for all ages in order to beautify and beautify one's uh, life experience, beautify where they live, beautify as a sense of social-emotional growth and development at any stage of life, and also to participate. And most recently, uh, what comes to mind for her uh, nomination is that there was a beautification project in the community for Hiram Johnson High School. And as one of the artists, uh, as part of that project, um, she re redesigned uh, what a mural would look like in, uh, in a school system and how much that artwork of that high school then trickled down into the quality of life of anyone who passes by. And, and Hiram Johnson was just one small example, so I wanted to respectfully submit uh, Marianne Gonzalez-Sims uh, for the Tim Haley Award. Seeing that there are no um, more speakers or nominations. Um, I'll, I'll take the uh, motion for Benita Shaw from Commissioner Tuzon Boyd. Is there a second for that? I'll second it. Second. Do a vote with a. Uh, Ms. Shaw is worthy of a Tim Haley Award. Uh, Chair, just to clarify, um, based on the recommendation, it says pass a motion to approve the Tim Haley Award nominations. So we, we, should, we should do all three then? Yeah. So, well, I, I, I was concerned if someone wanted one but not the other. Can I get a motion from somebody to approve all three nominations? I second. Okay. Okay. So can we vote on all three then? Um... I just want to clarify, that was a second, uh, but the original motion needs to be for, you know, approving all three, just for the records. Uh, I'll motion to approve all three, second Commissioner Kramer, and uh, since there's a motion, it does take a vote, right? Correct. Uh, commissioners, can you please unmute for the roll call vote? Commissioner Chan? Aye. Commissioner Chris Peen? Aye. Commissioner Kramer? Aye. 
Commissioner Lim? Aye. Commissioner Mercer? Aye. Commissioner Smith? Aye. Commissioner Tucson Boyd? Aye. Vice Chair Crowley? Aye. Chair McMillan? Aye. Thank you, the motion passes. Thank you so much. There we have it, three, three new awardees for, for the March meeting. Um, the next item, which, I, which should have been earlier, is the Commission staff report. Uh, Mr. Jesse, over to you. Yeah, so um, just to clarify, so the awardees will be invited back for the March meeting? Right. Okay. So I'll be, uh, so that'll be included in my staff report then. And it's up to the nominators to arrange to get those people here. Okay. Yep. And they will provide the, you to provide the certificate, they will present the write-up in person here. So yeah, and I believe I've received um, some of the write-ups. So, make, yeah, if you haven't already, make sure you get the write-up to me. And then um, my staff report out is brief. Um, so just to give an update on the um, annual report. So that's going to uh, the PP&E. I always forget what the acronym stands for. Public Policy and Employment. Is that it? PP&E Committee on February 13th. So... Um, I know that there was the uh, desire for the commission to participate in that pres in that presentation. So it's at 11 a.m. on uh, February 13th. So um, I know Chair McMillan, you'll plan on being there, and I believe it too. 13th. 13th. Okay, I had it the 7th for some reason. That's right. February 13th at 11 a.m. Oh, was it? Okay, well, I'll clarify that. Uh, just note it's a late afternoon, not uh, or late morning, not, <laughs> not evening. And then um, the work zone detour plan, they're having a, an engagement meeting right now, um, but they will be presenting at the February 7th, at the DAC, um, our next meeting on February 7th, and also the age-friendly um, action plan. So CDD planning will be here. Uh, for that meeting. So that's my, I just wanted to give that update. Thank you very much. I'm going to um, jump to the public comments for matters not on the agenda. Uh, apologies, Chair. Are we doing this before commissioner comments? Usually commissioner comments proceed. Yeah, we're doing it before commissioner comments. I do not have any Oh, apologies. I have one speaker slip for public comments. Matters not on the agenda. Our first speaker is Raquel. And, and, 
verbeter. His name is Victor. That's all I can remember. Thank you. Thank you, Raquel. Thank you for being here. Chair, I have no other speaker slips here in chambers. Um, commissioner comments. Um, just wanted to um, express um, my gratitude to Commissioner Crespin for her participation on this um, commission. It's sad to say it's her last time she can make this meeting. Um, she signed up for this, this volunteer position um, under old rules and guidelines, understanding it was at, at 6 p.m. and it moved to 5.30, so she's no longer able to um, join us regularly for this commission. I, 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 I was very disappointed in that and um, understand it, but uh, she is, she's been um, a breath of fresh air and a great advocate on this team and I was hoping to uh, see her for many years in different roles in this this commission and maybe one day. Um, I hope you can make it back for the March meeting to present to your candidate, so let us know how that goes. Um, Commissioner Tuzon Boy. Thank you, Chair Raquel. Thank you very much for joining us today and sitting through our meeting, which I can imagine might not be the most entertaining for a young person, but um, we are here to serve you and everyone in the city. So it's nice to see you here and appreciate your words. Um, I do also wanted to thank Commissioner Crespin for her time on the commission. Um, as limited as it has been, um, and know that her work advocating for individuals with disabilities in our city and region will continue, even if she's not sitting here with us on the dais. We hope to hear from you. We hope you submit comments, zoom in when that gets reinstated, knock on wood, um, and uh, don't be a stranger. Um, also wanted to take the opportunity to comment on the need for this commissioner to resign from her post and the lack of transparency that the city demonstrated by unilaterally changing the meeting time for our commission. Did not engage our commission at any point prior to being notified. Did not include the change in the report to city council when it was approved. Um, we all serve as volunteers. All of us have other demands on our time and our energies and our hearts, and this is very important to us, and I know it was not um, Commissioner Crespin's desire to have to resign at this time. Um, I also wanted to remark that the ADA information is still lacking on the city's website. Um, it would be, I think, 
important for IT to find a way to redirect to that information while the um, Public Works Department web is getting uh, finalized. There's a lot of important information that was on there that is no longer accessible, and if you do put ADA in the search bar on the new site, you go to an HR landing page that doesn't have anything on there. That's a disservice to our community. Um, I also wanted to voice concern that the virtual option to participate has not been reinstated for public meetings, not just ours. Um, this decision was also made without transparency and unilaterally, and I was told by um, city council member that it would be reinstated by January, and here we are in January, and um, there are members who reached out to me who couldn't make it this evening because of weather and the struggle that that creates um, getting to a, a meeting that's also earlier during commute time. Um, so hoping that we can get an update on that coming back or some comment, if, in, if at all, on whether that's actually going to happen. Um, Surprise, surprise, I also have a comment about Golden One and ADA access. Uh, it's been a while, but uh, traffic was light the other day, and so I took a spin by to see how it was going, and um, the wayfinding signage was blocked by cars parked on J Street, so you cannot, it's not visible if you're um, coming traveling eastbound on J Street to turn on 4th Street, which is where the designated drop-off and pickup point is. Uh, when I arrived, I think it was about 6.30, which is 30 minutes before tip-off time, is generally around 7, right? Um, there were three vehicles parked in the ADA drop-off pickup zone, two with flashing lights. Both of those were um, individuals picking up DoorDash orders. Um, and the parking uh, attendant across the street at the boutique hotel um, had, triple, had triple parked vehicles along 4th Street. So even if you had a van and you were to try to turn on 4th Street um, in an attempt to drop somebody off in that zone, you would not be able to get through. I did send photos and a note of my observations over a period of 15 minutes to city staff, the council member that represents the area, and the Kings, um, um, and everybody replied uh, that, uh, you know, thank you, and also that enforcement would be sent out in response. Um, I know that we have been told and it's been discussed that the city is working on a new transportation management plan for Golden One. Um, and we will be talking about this in our annual report to the city, um, but a temporary solution is really needed during that time. You know, um, it is a is quite a distance. It's a city block from the entrance to um, the arena, and there is no wayfinding, um, and also you have to be dropped off in the street. So I just want to make another pitch for making Golden One accessible to everybody. Um, I also, it was also brought to my attention, uh, a young woman who's a friend of my daughter's 
has a visual impairment and she had um, gotten a job in North Natomas at the new Nordstrom Rack and planned to use public transportation from her home to work. But when she practiced uh, traversing the path from the drop-off at um, Gateway Park and Truxell Road, she found that none of the signals <clears throat> crossing Truxell Gateway Park and Gateway Park between the Thomas Marketplace Shopping Center and the um, Sacramento Gateway Shopping Center had audible signals. And as an individual with a visual impairment um, crossing, I believe those roadways are at least six lanes, if not eight lanes across, was unsafe. Fortunately, paratransit is an option for her, but I do wanna make another request that the city consider auditing the locations of its audible signals and developing a plan to monitor and maintain them. Um, currently, at least has been dis, um, explained to us here on the dais, uh, it depends on public complaint whether or not one's working. Um, they, her, her family did reach out to city staff via 311 in the fall asking about the lack of an audible signal and they have yet to hear back. And that's all my report is, thank you. Commissioner Crispy. Thank you, Chair. Um, when our speaker, Raquel Avila, said I am my mommy's kid, she was talking about me as her mommy. I am, I am the mommy that has the distinct honor of being Raquel's mom and her brother behind her, Victor, her little brother. And um, that is my husband of 17 years, Santiago. Um, thank you so much for your kind and inclusive comments, Chair McMillan and Commissioner Tucson Boyd. I absolutely will be continuing to advocate in the, commu the community and the city and the state. Um, it is definitely going to be a lifelong endeavor. I also wanted to uh, welcome Commissioner Smith. I see a new face here, so welcome. I wanted to welcome our new city attorney, uh, Kathleen Rogan, welcome. And um, also wanted to um, thank Commissioner Chan for her service and I'm sure she will, she will talk when she has um, time for her comments. And uh, just remark that it's been um, an honor to be here. I have uh, my typical readout that I always do, so I'm gonna give that, and then I have some closing remarks as this is my last meeting. So, um, the CPUC, so that's a state agency, um, they are looking for advisory group new members for their disadvantaged communities advisory group, that's, that's what they call it. If you're interested, you can go to the CPU's web, CPUC's website, and they are looking to know of interest by January 31st. In the interest of time, I'll just kind of skip through that, but that is for public utilities. Transportation, if you're interested in giving feedback. We Embrace is having a We Embrace Stars event on February 24th, and there will be um, some solo performers from our community as well as some fashion modeling. So they call it an inclusive talent and fashion show. Um, you could also go online and purchase some tickets if you wanna support Re We Embrace. That's one way to support that um, organization. 
Uh, also want to remind you that Disability Rights California is having their second annual gala that is coming up fast, February 28th. Um, so you can purchase single tickets or you can get a duo as well. It's going to be at the Sacopolis Library. Um, also wanted to share that City Leisure is having a sweetheart dance. They do all kinds of great things, but this one caught my eye and I wanted to share that Saturday, February 17th from 5 to 8, it will be $10 per person at the Hart Senior Center. Um, and so definitely check out that as well as all their other cool teen activities. Supported Life is having their annual self-advocacy conference. This is the 27th statewide self-advocacy conference, which is really exciting. That's gonna be in May from the 17th through the 18th, and the theme this year is Reaching for the Stars. Contact your regional center service coordinator to get this conference in your IPP. And what that means is it could possibly be paid for if it's, if it's in your budget. Um, I just in the interest of time and just my very high level basic knowledge, I won't go into detail, but there have been some pretty big shifts in the IHSS uh, policies, especially with regard to parents being able to serve as an IHSS provider to their own children. And then there's also been some updates through the regional center, regional center's implementation of the self-determination program. Um, we've seen some some really good developments there. So if you are a regional center client, um, whether you're traditional or self-determination, definitely check that out. If you're self-determination client and you've chosen that way to be funded, um, there's some new and exciting things that apply to you as well. So ask your service coordinator. And then just wanna give um, some remarks. Um, as you know, this is my last meeting. It is with a heavy heart that I must share with my fellow commissioners that tonight is my last meeting and I have resigned from my position. It has been an honor and a true privilege and personally fulfilling to share my experience as a parent of a child with disabilities. The only way in my experience to aptly serve as a caregiver for someone navigating policy soup or policy spaghetti as I've heard it called is with the help of the community. Finding ways to share information and providing some light along the way, doing my best to offer productive suggestions to the city of Sacramento that I've called home since 1999 and moreover District 8 since 2007. Through the love and support of my family, I've been able to attend meetings in the evenings most months since March of last year and offer my perspective on several matters including the inclusive language and city documents which we saw tonight, really exciting. Uh, appropriate translation, uh, we talked a lot about appropriate language translation, ideas on parking safety, and more recently suggesting we take public comment at the top of the meeting instead of at the end, which has been implemented. Always an eye for inclusion. Benjamin Franklin said, and oh, actually I will say first, inclusion is an art, but it's not hard. Benjamin Franklin said, they who can give up essential liberty to attain a little temporary safety deserve neither liberty nor safety. So if we're acting on what we think might be good for most, which would be the schedule change, the flip side of that means that it may not be good for some. That is the purpose of these advisory commissions and committees. 
But recently, our meetings were changed to a 5.30 start, unilaterally and without feedback. And that is kind of ironic, considering we are an advisory board and we weren't, no, nobody checked with us for advice. I wanna to read to you what Michael J. Fox says. This message is so simple, yet it gets forgotten. The people, with li people living with the condition are the experts. So that half hour may seem small to some, but it knocked me off the commission. To continue, I would have to leave work early 12 times per year, 12 times, pushing back from my desk early, having that conversation with my supervisor, the very same one that I have about all the medical appointments, therapies, services, IPPs, IEPs, and early pickups from school. It's a super, super steep learning curve, learning as an everyday human, not someone who studies and works in these fields to learn all of them at once. How to navigate the medical insurance, the school IEPs, the regional center IPPs, and the challenges man managing the ever-revolving door of staffing impacted and, and impacted services. Scheduling is one of our biggest challenges in, in our community, and that is the reason I must resign. When we do what's best for most, we're not doing what's best for all, and likely continuing to leave out those that are chronically left out. If the local government won't concern itself with every family, then we are not serving every Sacramento resident. And if not the local city as a safety net, then who? When we strengthen uniform programmatic structure as a city, we become like everyone else, everything else. We even start to resemble a private business with our efficiencies and our cutting backs here and there, um, just in the name of sameness. Even the best of intentions can do harm to people, and especially those most marginalized already. That is not inclusion, which is my hope for our city, a sacred space where all people, including people managing disabilities and their families, groups, classrooms, can easily integrate, work, thrive, live, contribute, benefit, start families, start businesses, and the like. It is this energy, these people, all people, that make a city a city. We are the city, and I want my city to amplify all voices, not just those that fit in its schedule, can navigate these chambers, and so on. Reminder, we do need to make these chambers accessible. And we also, as Commissioner Tucson Boyd mentioned, we need to find a way for the community to join our meetings virtually as soon as possible. Audrey Hepburn, she says, nothing is more important than empathy for another human being's suffering. Nothing, not career, not wealth, not intelligence, certainly not status. We have to feel for one another if we're going to survive with dignity. I'd also like to take this opportunity while I have it to refresh the difference between equality and equity. Equality is the same for all, which leaves out many people. Equity means having the tools in place so that all may participate. If you've taken the trainings or seen the pictures, you may have seen the image with the three people looking over the fence. So I see some nods, which is great. So the, there's, one, there's three people and there's a fence. One person can look over the fence without any tools. The second person and the third person need some tools. And even those tools aren't equal. So it's a stepping stool. The second person needs a smaller stepping stool, can see over the fence. The third person needs a much taller stepping stool and can see over the fence. So the tools are different, but 
but it's equitable. Everybody can see over the fence. Things that are equal may not be equitable. Additionally, let's remember that being classified as disabled is the only minority group that any one of us can join at any time in our lifetime. If you do not have a disability now, you might someday, as one in four people in, this, in the state of California report that they do. And if not you, then someone you love likely will. And finally, a special call to District 8 in my home area of Meadowview to please apply for this seat. I believe that our city staff, um, Philip and potentially Jesse, may be attending a Meadowview Neighborhood Association meeting soon and sharing the great work that the city's been doing and the DAC is doing. And I also wanted to um, thank the staff for all their support while I've been in this role. And then finally, I just want to end with one more quote. And this has to do with um, the importance of all voices and having a diversity of voices. To be culturally competent doesn't mean you are an authority in the values and beliefs of every culture. What it means is that you hold a deep respect for cultural differences and are eager to learn and willing to accept that there are many ways of viewing the world. And this is from Dr. Udo. And with that, that concludes my remarks. Back to you. Thank you. Thank you. Commissioner Chen. Hello, everybody. Thank you, Commissioner Crispin. So I wanted to give everybody an update. This is my last meeting, and I am resigning from this position. Um, I am very grateful and feel very honored to have served this commission. It has been a pleasure serving this community. Thank you for the knowledge and wisdom shared, and I wish the commission the best. Commissioner Mercer. Mm, a lot of us here started on the commission at the same time. I am very fortunate because I am a school teacher. Getting here by 5.30 isn't a problem. But this is making my job as a commissioner much more difficult. We've had a vacancy that's been ongoing on the commission, and I thank Commissioner Smith for joining us. This makes a huge difference. But now we have two vacancies. And it's because decisions were made that did not, that were not friendly to a community-based commission. But we are, we are the general public. Getting to a meeting by 5.30 is a stretch. Six o'clock is much more doable. That decision was made without input. And I'm sure it's convenient for the city clerk's office, but it is not convenient for getting good commissioners and a full commission. And prior to our coming on, there were numerous problems with getting quorums. And I still have to worry, I did not want to come here tonight. I've been dealing with the after effects of a hospitalization from my husband that happened about two weeks ago and I'm still playing catch up, but I didn't dare not show up because there is always the threat of us not making quorum here. And I wanted to make sure that we'd be able to get the Tim Haley awards and the rest of that going, okay? In addition, decisions about how um, the input comes from the public is very disturbing and insulting 
to the disabled community. When we got rid of Zoom, it was, it, it, it's made it impossible for some regular attendees to participate because it is a significant um, burden to go over and come out here at night, especially on a cold and rainy night. Um, and, you know, that was an easy way. Then the e-comments, I've never seen an e-comment in the time that I've been here. And it would be nice, what I'm remembering, maybe there were one or two that I saw. It would be nice to go over and have that included because we need to hear those voices as commissioners when it's coming in. I mean, I know the staff is going to get that public feedback, but we really need to go over and see that. Um, you know, and it, it's just a whole series of things. In addition to that, apparently we've also been told that we need uh, to and I'm not even sure how much it is now, but the amount of time before we request um, uh, an item be added to the meeting agenda has been increased, I'm hearing. Um, and I'd like to get some clarification on that. Um, it just, it's very, it's very disconcerting. And um, I feel very bad because I know Commissioner Crispin and Commissioner Chand have been, I've learned a lot from being on this commission, because we all come from kind of a different point of view over on um, disability, and it's it's helped me learn a lot, and um, you know, uh, their thoughtfulness um, when they were making comments, the information that they provide has been invaluable. Um, so I will be going to the upcoming PP and E meeting mostly because. Um, I'm going to be bringing my husband, Terry Preston, there since a lot of the Golden One, um, the impetus of the Golden One uh, complaint came from um, the hor horrific time we're having trying to get him over into um, King's Games, um, and he'll be there. But I will be speaking about these issues because I feel it is, it is not making the commission better. And I think we had an opportunity with the commissioners that we had here to go over and really make some great strides. Vice Chair Crowley. Thank you. Uh, I wanted to first uh, thank everyone in attendance. Uh, and Raquel, before you leave, I wanted just to tell you specifically, I am so honored to have heard from you today. My daughter is 11 years old. Her name is Karina. and she spoke to the commission just like you did today and your words are so powerful and it is so brave of you to be able to speak and to make sure that everyone knows that we're here to help everyone and that you're part of the solution so that everyone gets to know you more and my daughter more and you are such a role model when my daughter watches you speak she's going to know that she's going to be just as beautiful and just as eloquent and just as um, strong as you have been. So thank you for staying up so late, and I look forward to seeing you uh, in Meadowview and around the city and hearing from you again more. Thank you to your brother and your father, and especially your mom. So have a good night. Thank you very much. Um, So I've shared a little bit about me also to the commissioners who don't know me. Uh, I do have a disabled child, and um, I wanted to share with you her recent 
comment about how I should introduce myself, which is as a mother to her, as my primary role, and that she said she doesn't like the word disabled. She prefers the word special needs because we're all special in some way. And in order to figure out what the needs are to be special, it requires people to listen, to be attentive, and to be patient. And that's from an 11-year-old who's visually impaired, has cerebral palsy, is medically fragile, and <clears throat> makes sacrifices in order for us to be able to advocate for the community. So I am very touched, and pardon my uh, emotion, Raquel, Raquel caught me off guard. Okay, so with that being said, uh, let me also share what I heard today, thank you. What I heard today in our um, presentation, some people think that our commission is here to make sure that we police ADA guidelines, and that is not only why we're here. The city engineers and all of the disability uh, trained staff, the ADA trained staff handles that. We're here to make sure that we not only check that ADA status, but we also speak on behalf of those who use it first. And as Commissioner Crespin uh, eloquently presented, if, and I'm gonna say it in a different way, not to take away from your words, which is when we address special needs, everyone benefits and it usually becomes the generally accepted practice. So it is an act of bravery for everyone from the staff to the council members, to the citizens, to the comments, for all of us to keep that in mind that to Commissioner Mercer's point, keeping the seats filled is essential so that those incremental changes that allow access and inclusion in all of the fancy words used here tonight. The most important was that of dignity and inclusion. And the dignity comes with our participation, but I wanted to identify that the fence example is very powerful, except when you have special needs, the only difference is in the type of material for the fence and then you have inclusion, and that's to take the pillars of the fence which are opaque and make it clear and now you have transparency and that's what we do here as a disability advisory commission. So it feels very passionate for anyone who accepts that responsibility because we are the change makers that don't get to see the end result often. So I um, accept humbly the service that's been done for those of us who are coming on those that have been uh, for circumstances as they are having to leave the seats and that there is a legacy here that the city uh, records and in its own way uh, will continue the work the good works that is intended of us that being said uh, I did want to another role that we have is to ensure that our citizens are well represented so I have um, three citizen comments as part of my commissioner comments. Matt A uh, at 12.02 p.m. stated, I love to see all the new trails in Sacramento. Thank you, Public Works. Please make sure there are, there are an overabundance of trees for shade included in every project. 
The trails are unusable in the summertime when temperatures get to 110 plus. From Jamie Ramirez, posted yesterday, January 23rd at 9.47 p.m. I'm writing as a resident of Sacramento to call on the Sacramento City Council to listen to its constituents and pass a resolution calling for an immediate and permanent ceasefire in Gaza and occupied Palestine. As I write this, there are over eight pages of public comments, the vast majority of which are all calling for this same very necess necessary thing. If you won't listen to your constituents and the people of the world and condemn the ongoing genocide of Palestine, I suggest you resign now while you can pretend it was your choice because we will vote you out if you continue to be complicit in this horrible violence horrific violence against civilians, including thousands and thousands of children. There is nothing complicated about this, only indiscriminate killing of the IOF against Palestinians. In their homes, you must pass a resolution calling for an immediate and permanent ceasefire, as several other cities have done, and join the right side of history. From Martson Anderson, yesterday at 10.32 p.m., as a member of the disability community in Sacramento, it has come to my knowledge that the city has drastically cut its funding for the YPC YPCE Access Leisure Program, and as a result, their program offerings for the 2024 calendar year are being scaled back. This is a grievance in a grievous, grievous injustice to a marginalized portion of the city's population. In a world where any one of us may be a part of this group at any time, we should all be lifting up and expanding the measures and programs that assist this population, not devaluing and disregarding its impact. Newly injured people who experience life-changing spinal cord injuries spend an average of two weeks in rehabilitation hospitals. That period is the most comprehensive point in which someone is supposed to learn how to adapt and acclimate to their new existence. Imagine giving yourself that amount of time to make, a, to make such a drastic transition. The Access Leisure Program offers the newly and longer-term injured person an, an opportunity to find peers mentors and continued support in transition to a life with disability. Beyond the health benefits that this program offers in providing opportunities for fitness, recreation, and well-being for the potentially one in four Americans living with disabilities in our city, this program also offers this population hope uh, that their lives are valued in a society that is full of the biases and stigmas of ableism. That is from our citizens of this great city. Those are the transparent way that we can simply listen and participate. And those are all from the e-comments that were posted from today's meeting that are accessible. So uh, positive comments from me to the IT department that worked so hard during the pandemic to update, update the technology so all of our citizens can have a participatory voice. And with that, I'm very glad to um, have that transparency to be able to be that uh, voice and then um, a, a point of um, reference for the Tim Haley Award. I just wanted to spell out as I prepare to email a short summary uh, to the staff. Marianne Gonzalez Sims is spelled M-A-R-I-A-N-N-E and then uh, the second name G-O-N-Z-A-L-E-S and the last name S as in Sam I-M-S. Thank you very much. Those finish my comments. Commissioner Tuzon Boyd. Yes, last year for the Tim Haley Awards, I did make the PowerPoint with images of the recipients, and so I wanted to offer to my fellow commissioners if they wanted to um, email high-resolution photographs to Jesse. Um, he can get those to me, and I can do the same for our meeting in March. 
Thank you. That would be very, very good. Um, lots of lots of good information here from the commissioners, and I appreciate all that and share all that. And a lot of things well said that you know I couldn't I couldn't even dare to repeat because they were said so well. Um, Commissioner Two is on board. Just so you know, I attended the Kings game last night and observed the uh, drop-off point, and I. I was there for 20 minutes, and I saw constantly uh, door dashes uh, taking up all those parking spots reserved for the uh, disabled uh, spots. Um, wh and what was news to me, what I had not realized is how far away that drop-off point is from the arena. That's inexcusable. Um, we will. This is something we will take up at the. Um, at the report to the PPE, um, that along with, uh, as Commissioner Mercer said, the uh, taking away of one good thing that did come out of the pandemic was remote meetings and online participation. To take that away is, is I just can't, I, I just can't express how how bad, bad a decision that was. Uh, Transportation is one of the largest barriers for people with the, with disabilities, and for them not to be able to participate in this meeting is is abhorrent. So, we need to take that forward as well. Um, good news. Um, welcome, Commissioner Smith. It, it, it's nice to have someone new here. If if uh, you would, if you're up to it, could you spend thirty seconds and introduce us, you to us? Hi, everybody. Uh, my name is Alexandria Smith. I am happy to be here tonight. I remained quiet as I'm observing and listening to um, everybody kind of figuring out the lay of the land. Um, I'm hopeful to offer my perspective and I'm hopeful to hear from um, other folks as well as the public. I appreciate the comments about um, accessibility to these meetings and I look forward to continue serving with everybody. Welcome again and we're happy to have you here. Um, thanks again members of the public who showed up. Thank you city staff for spending time with us and helping us through our meeting tonight and uh, also thank you to my fellow commissioners for once again being here keeping up the good fight. Um, you inspire me to keep going. And uh, thank you for um, voting me back as chair. It's a pleasure to serve you. So thank you. With that, I'm calling this meeting adjourned. Thank you. If anyone needs parking validation, I have tickets over here. Yes, please.